Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness to how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be aware, brothers, unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Wonderful. Thanks, Chris, for reading that. Well, do uh, keep your Bibles open. Uh, Romans chapter 1 on page uh, 1128 and 1129. We'll be looking back to that throughout the, uh, the next little while. Uh, let me start with a prayer. And I'm going to use some of the words, actually, we've just sung and use that as our prayer. Generations rise, generations fall, but his word, God's word is living and his word is sure evermore. Lord, we thank you that even though these words were written 2,000 years ago, they are still just as relevant to us today as when they were first penned by the Apostle Paul. Lord, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you'd help us to, to understand your word today and to apply it to each one of our lives, to see its relevance and its importance. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've been uh, coming to church for um, a little while, perhaps a long while, you'll probably have heard Christians talk about good news. The good news. What does that? What does the good news mean, and why is it important? You might be asking. Well, another word we use for the good news is the gospel. The gospel means good news, and I think actually we've never probably needed good news more than we do today because of how exposed we are to so much bad news. Perhaps you turn on the telly in the morning and you, you see footage of some disaster that's happened around the world. Or, or you, you turn your phone on, bleary-eyed, in bed, and some notification pops up from the BBC News app that there's been some atrocity halfway around the world, and your heart sinks again. It's not that there's been more bad news now than there ever has been, but rather we are just so exposed to it, aren't we? Bad news the whole time, which is why we love good news when we get it. But I think even the word good news to describe what Christians believe is, well, it's too small, isn't it? Good news can be all sorts of things. Good news could be uh, you go to Waitrose and you get a free slice of cake with your cappuccino. Oh, that's good news, isn't it? Or, or your son or daughter gets into to the school they've been wanting to go into. Yeah, that's, that's good news. 
Rather, what Christians believe isn't that category, is it? What Christians believe is the best news ever. The best news ever. Nothing compares to it. And this kind of, just in the same way that good news can have a positive effect on our days, actually the best news ever, what Christians believe the gospel, affects our life completely from beginning to end. And if you want proof of that, well, think about who's writing this letter, the Apostle Paul, and what happened in his life and how the good news, the gospel, changed his life. He was someone who, who, when he started out, wanted to destroy the church. He hated Christians. He wanted to see them wiped out until he encountered the good news, until he encountered Jesus. And his life was changed. And he went from trying to stamp out Christianity to spending his whole life and his efforts and his prayers to strengthening it. This good news changed Paul and it changes us as well. And the three ways we're going to be thinking about how this good news changes us is it changes us emotionally. The things that we're passionate about, that the things that we pray about, where, where our heart is at, changes us in that way. But it also changes us practically, how we spend our time, our money, our efforts. And I want us to come and, and see this morning how actually we never outgrow the need for the gospel, the need for good news. So let's start off by thinking about how the gospel affects our, our emotions and how our emotions and our prayer life are tied together, aren't they? Because if we start praying, we're going to be praying about the stuff that, that we're passionate about, the stuff that's important to us, and how the gospel sets our prayer life on fire, as in it ignites the things that we want to be praying about. It, it sets them. It's like in that picture. It's like the, the wood and the flame and the coal and the oxygen and, and the heat necessary for our prayer life to be ignited. What is prayer? Well, simply it's, it's talking to God, whether in the silence of our hearts or, or out loud. That's what prayer is. And our emotions are connected. But look with me at this passage and, and see how Paul starts off. His prayer ignited by the gospel. Look down at verse 8. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. The first thing we see is that this gospel that Christians believe in actually sets our prayer life on fire in terms of making us really thankful. And look at who it's making us thankful for he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Paul is writing to this church in Rome 2,000 years ago. And he's giving thanks to God for, for everyone in that church. For the young and the old alike. For the new believer and the person who's been a believer for absolutely ages. For someone who is really struggling with, with doubt or some aspect of their life. And those who seem to be going really well and really strong. He thanks God for all of them. And look, before Paul gets onto all this weighty stuff in this book, he starts with giving thanks to God for this church and for everyone there. But look specifically how he is thankful for them. He says, because your faith is being reported all over the world. Paul starts with being thankful for each one of them, and particularly for their faith. Now, faith is one of those words that needs a bit of unpacking. Faith means trust. It means building your life on something worthwhile. That's what Christians mean when they talk about faith. Faith is trust. But I wonder how might someone's faith be heard about? We're unlikely to, to look at the front cover of the Argos and say, Bob Smith 
has amazing faith, that's, that's probably not going to be reported about, is it? But if Bob Smith sold his house and downsized so that he could live in somewhere really small, so that he could give his money to the poor, then perhaps that might make its way into the news. And actually, that's what Paul is picking up on here. He's talking about how their faith is being reported through this church's generosity. We look at the history books and we can see that there was a famine in Jerusalem, in the, in the, in the capital of Israel, and that the church was, churches were rallying together, were being generous, so that the people in that church wouldn't starve. And that's how their faith can be seen, through their generosity. And it's how often most uh, people's faith can be seen, is in generosity. Yes, in terms of finances, but also in terms of, uh, of generosity with time and with energy. And actually, just in the way that, that Paul wants to give thanks for this church's generosity and faith, that, that shows their generosity and their faith, actually, I want to give thanks for the generosity of you. As a church, we've, we've just been thinking about how the, the youth and community centre is days away from completion. And actually, that is a sign of people's faith here in this church, in people's generosity in giving financially and practically in all sorts of ways. And we can thank God for the faith that he has given us to do that. So we see that the gospel sets our prayer life on fire, firstly with thankfulness, and then we move on and think about how it keeps us Praying, have a look at verse 9. Paul says, God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son. That's how God, uh, that's how Paul serves God. He says, is my witness how I constantly remember you in my prayers at all times. Paul is asking God to help this church. He's praying about it the whole time. That doesn't mean he's got his eyes closed and his hands together nonstop so he can't do anything else. Rather, this church is on Paul's heart daily. He is passionate about this church. As he gives thanks for them, he he continues to be praying for them. He is persistent. He doesn't give up. He continues on praying for them when it comes naturally and when it seems hard. But I think actually if you want to be someone who keeps on praying for God to be helping the church, then you need to get two things right, don't you? You're only going to be persistent in prayer, firstly, if you think it's that serious that you need to be praying for this church daily. We're only going to be praying persistently if we really think it's that important that we do pray for the church. But also, we're only going to do it if we think that actually prayer achieves something. That actually by by praying that God will answer our prayer and will strengthen the church and will help Our church, like Paul was praying for this church in Rome, to be sharing the good news. We need to get those two things right. That Think that it's really this serious that we do pray and that prayer is effective as well. We need to keep on praying like Paul keeps on praying, remembering this church at all times. And as we do that, and as this gospel sets our prayer life on fire and as it affects our emotions... We will start to ask for opportunities as well to be sharing that good news for that church to be sharing good news as well. Have a look at the second half of of verse 10. Paul says, I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. Now, at this point in time, Paul hadn't yet visited this church in Rome. You read the book of Acts and you find out that he does eventually get there. He'd been trying to get there, but he hadn't achieved it. 
But I think it's, it's interesting what, what Paul is doing here, isn't it? That he is giving thanks for this church. He keeps on praying for them. And now there's this desire for him to go and be with them. I wonder if, if I set you the challenge of, of choosing one of the mission link partners on the world mission thing at the, uh, at the poster at the back and choosing one of those people, or one of those families and committing to praying for them 365 days a year. And if I was to ask you, do you want to get involved in supporting them in some way? I bet most of you would jump at that opportunity, wouldn't you? Because if you've been praying for someone or, or about a situation in the highs and the lows, then actually that, that builds in you a desire to, to want to, to do more, to support them. It was great to walk in this morning and, and to see that in our service sheets, the way that, that these four uh, different uh, Mission Link partners are going to be with us this summer. How we can get involved in supporting them and praying for them. And it's why people actually go out here to, to visit and support different mission partners around the world. It's why Phil, our vicar, who isn't here this Sunday, is going to South America in the autumn to be supporting some of the mission partners there, to be encouraging them in what God is doing. I want us to see this morning that the, the gospel, treasuring this gospel and be giving thanks to God for what he was doing here as a church and around the world we keep on praying and asking for opportunities. That, that, that changes us. It changes our hearts, our emotions. It ignites our prayer life. But you see, it doesn't stop with just praying about it and just being excited about it. But actually, it pushes us, like it did for the Apostle Paul, into action. You think practically the gospel, it sets our prayer life on fire, but it also moves us to action. Have a look with me at 11, verses 11 and 12 and see how it, it begins to do that and how it did that for the Apostle Paul. Paul says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. You see, the gospel moves us to action and we see in Paul's case it it caused him to this desire to be encouraged by and to encourage this church. This desire for encouragement to go both ways. That's why Paul longs to see this church as he's been giving thanks to God for them, as he's been praying for them. He wants to go and encourage them. That's what it means when he says he wants to give you some spiritual gift. He wants to give them something to strengthen them in their spirit. He wants them to be encouraged. But notice what he says as well. He wants to be mutually encouraged. That as he goes there to support them in their work, he wants to be encouraged as well. And I think as we f reflect on this and, and who's saying these words, it's amazing. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. This is St. Paul himself writing these things. And he's saying, you need my encouragement, yes, but I need your encouragement as well. Even the Apostle Paul wasn't too, too big to need encouragement from other Christians. What Paul sets out for us here is this wonderful picture of a partnership. That's why we call our, our, our links with our mission partners a, a partnership. Yes, we want to give and encourage them, but actually... They come and encourage us as well. When we hear about what God is doing in their lives, it is a partnership. It is a mutual encouragement. All of us here 
have that mutual need to be encouraged with our faith. We each need to be hearing about what God is doing in one another's lives. Maybe that that comes through our, our small groups when we meet together during the week to to encourage one another with what God is doing, how God is speaking to us and helping us to be sharing the good news and to be getting excited about the gospel. Maybe that's speaking with our our children and Sunday school workers about about how they're noticing children and, and young people growing in their faith. We want to be mutually encouraged. I know for me, I need to hear that encouragement. I need to be hearing about people coming to faith, about people continuing and and keeping on going with God, even when life is really hard. And I treasure those encouragements. I come back to them again and again, and particularly when ministry is hard. In fact, I go as far to say, if I don't think I had those encouragements, I don't know how much longer I could stand up here continuing to do this. I need your encouragements in what God is doing in your life to keep on going, to keep on serving you as a church. We all need that encouragement. The Apostle Paul needed that encouragement. But it doesn't stop there. We want to encourage one another in all sorts of ways by talking about what God is doing and in practical ways of serving and supporting one another in the church. But also, like Paul, we want to look for opportunities. We want to think about how we can be sharing the good news. Look at verse 13. Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order, he tells us why, that I might have a harvest among you, just as I've had among the other Gentiles. Paul is talking about his his frustration in, in the sense that he hasn't been able to come to this church and to be, what his words is, having a harvest among you. What he means by that is by sharing the good news with people who don't yet know it, And by seeing them come to faith and supporting them in their faith, to see people converted and to following Jesus as disciples, to following Jesus in their life, to giving their lives to him. That's what the opportunity that Paul is looking to have, to share in that ministry. And it's a wonderful picture of how a church can work together with with other people to, to share the good news. Different people coming together to share the gospel. Um, I'm quite excited uh, how we've been using uh, courses like Alpha this year. And it's great to see that uh, the plan is to, to be running an, a, a big Alpha session here this September. But that is only going to happen if we have others to share in that ministry with us. People to help. Uh, preparing meals, people to be helping to to, to make this uh, a possibility to run it, to, to having people just, just coming along. It's not going to happen on our own. We need people to help. So if you, you'd like to help, you can find out more in the next few weeks or come and speak with me. But it's one opportunity for us to be sharing in ministry with other people to see the good news go out from this place, to share that gospel with Brighton and Hove and the world. And yes, sometimes, like Paul, it can be frustrating if it doesn't seem to go our way or in our own timing. The the great news is for Paul, he did get to see the church in Rome eventually. We see that in the end few chapters of the book of Acts. We look for opportunities. We try to encourage one another and look for opportunities to be encouraged. But also we think about how how God has given us particular gifts to do that. 
Perhaps you're, you're not sure what your gifts are. But, well, look at what Paul's gift was. Verse 15. Paul says, that is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. That's what Paul's gift was. He was a preacher of the gospel. He was able to evangelize, to share the good news, to preach to those who didn't yet know God or or those who do and to be building them up in their faith. And the gospel put very simply is the fact that, that Jesus died for us and by having faith in him, we can be saved. Paul was a preacher of the gospel. But think about it. That gift didn't come easily, did it? Think about what, what Paul faced. And, and if you're unaware, this is what a few things that happened to him that's recorded for us in the book of Acts. Paul faced beatings on numerous occasions. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was imprisoned. He was rejected by many of his own people. Yet through all of those things, through all that suffering, all that adversity, God was molding him into a preacher of the gospel. To someone who had experienced his fair share of bad news. So that he would treasure the good news all the more. God was equipping Paul to be a preacher of the gospel. And it's often the case. As one person wrote, it takes thousands of woes to teach a man to preach. In Paul's life, God was faithful to him despite all these things and was using them all together to be a preacher of the gospel. I wonder what you have suffered in your life, what adversity, what difficulty and how God might actually want to use that and bring something good out of it, a gift for others, perhaps for people who are going through a similar time themselves how God might want to stir something up in you to to get alongside others and to be a blessing like, like Paul was to the church in Rome. So we want to encourage one another. We want to look for opportunities. And perhaps we can't go out and support mission partners around the world. But as we've seen, they are coming to us. So what a better way of thinking about how we can encourage them, these four mission link partners over the next few weeks to come along hear about what God is doing in their life to be encouraged by that and to encourage them actually just by turning up that would be great wouldn't it you see the the gospel it sets our prayer life on fire it moves us to action but I just want to all to really see that actually none of us here until we get to glory until we die and go and be with Jesus well none of us ever outgrow the need for the gospel because it's what we keep coming back to It's what we keep coming back to because actually it's how any of us started our life as Christians. Look at verse 16. Paul says these amazing words. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Paul says the gospel is how we begin. There's no other way to begin our life following Jesus. What does he say about it? Well, let's look at that verse almost backwards, really. He says, this is for everyone who believes, no matter who you are, no matter how old you are, no matter if you've uh, lived a seemingly perfect life or, or you've, you're quite the opposite, whatever. This is for everyone, whatever age, whatever race, whatever background, whatever gender. This is for everyone who believes. 
who believes this good news of what God has done for us, that he so loved us, that he sent his son so that we might not perish but have eternal life. That's what the good news is. The gospel, it is the power of God that Paul says. God's power shown in saving us. It brings salvation. It saves us. It's how we begin. We don't try and smarten ourselves up for it. We don't contribute anything to the gospel except for the sin that makes it necessary, that we need saving, all of us. We need to be humble in admitting that. I wonder, do you really believe it? Or maybe, do you you want to find out a bit more? In which case, maybe something like coming along to Alpha this September would be just the right thing for you. But also, not only is how how we begin, but it's the only way to live, isn't it? That's what Paul says. Verse 17, he says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. This is God's character is revealed in the gospel, in the good news. He says, it's a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So we see that in the gospel, this righteousness of God, God's character is shown to us in him sending his son. We don't have to wonder what God's character is like. We know that he is a God who, who treats sin seriously, as we've thought about in some of our evening services. God doesn't turn a blind eye to injustice in the world. He treats it seriously. But he loves us so much that he sent his son. So we can trust God's character. We can trust him, have faith in him, particularly when we're facing those tough times. We know what his character is like. He is a God who would not even hesitate to give up his son for us. But it's the only way to live. You see, each day we keep on trusting God's character. We keep on trusting the good news that it is true, that it really happened that Jesus died for us and God raised him to life so that if we have faith in him, if we trust him, we will have eternal life too. We trust that, but also that we trust it's true for us. That it's not just true for other people out there, but actually it's true for us as well. Perhaps you need to remember that today. Paul says we live each day from the very first day to the last by trusting in God and that good news. And do you see what it does as we as we trust that good news and we treasure it? Actually, it has a kind of a circle effect, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but as I'm thinking about this good news and what God has done for me. I'm, I'm actually getting fired up to want to pray more for the spread of the good news in the world. And as I do that, I, I want to be moved to, to see how I can support that, maybe financially, maybe practically going out and supporting mission partners or, or helping them when they turn up here in some way. And as I do that, I'm reminded why I'm doing that. It's because of the gospel. And as I'm reminded, I, I want to pray more and then be fired up to do stuff and reminded why I'm doing it. And you see this whole circle effect. That's a Christian's life. We treasure the gospel and we pray for the gospel to spread and we get involved And we treasure it, this wonderful circle of the gospel. You see, good news changes people, doesn't it? It can it can transform our day. If if we see a bit of good news, it might cheer us up maybe for half an hour or so until the next bit of of bad news comes along. But the best news ever, the news of what God has done for us in sending us his son, 
in igniting our prayer life and, and equipping us and, and firing us up for, for, for mission and to be, to be helping one another in that. Well, this best news ever changes us, doesn't it? We are not the same people. God supernaturally working in us to, to understand and to believe and day by day to have trust in his good news. Let me lead us in a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel, this good news. It's not about what we've done, but it's about what you have done for us. Lord, help us to to come back to that today. As we were thinking about this morning, if we've turned away from you, Lord, help us to turn back, to repent, uh, and find with you complete forgiveness and love and grace and mercy. And as we treasure that in our hearts, we pray that that would ignite our prayer life, that, that we would be committed to be praying for the spread of your good news and particularly through the work of our Mission Link partners. And Lord, help us to have opportunities to be sharing that, to be supporting things like Alpha and, and for our uh, mission partners when they come back, to be supporting them, to be turning up and hearing about what God is, what you are doing in their lives. Lord, please help us to be encouragement to one another and for us to be encouraged, we need that too. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.